I hope that uh, this is a good, uh, a good uh, lesson for you to engage. Um, it's a little different um, in that I'm going to be speaking kind of on the front end for our culture, okay? And so one of the things that I want us to consider, and, and let's just start with a prayer first of all, and, and then we'll begin. Father, as we enter in to uh, your space, as we begin to engage our minds and think about our world and our culture and the lens that we see it through, I pray, Father, that that is not the only lens, but that we can also, through your spirit, through your word, through our kingdom community, see it for what it is as well. And that's always the challenge, having our eyesight attuned to yours. And so we pray for that this morning as we engage in lesson and discussion and in the text and in the scripture. And we try to discern how best we are to go about our day in light of the context and the culture that we live in. in Christ's name, amen. Um, so obviously I'm not Travis. Travis is uh, in uh, Albania today, and uh, I haven't seen any photos today. I know we'll get those at the end of the day, but they usually keep us posted on Facebook. So be praying for him and his wife and his children because they're all there. I saw a picture of them on the, uh, the flight over, and he is a very brave man. Uh, I, I could not, uh, I don't think I could do uh, 10, 12 hours uh, with little ones. I, I, very, I, I very seldom handle that in the home with little ones, and ours are not so little anymore. So uh, he's brave, and, and we're amazed, and, and what a blessing it is. But uh, this is an opportunity for me uh, to speak about something that's kind of been on my heart. And a lot of times um, when I come to you guys in discussion, there's always a, a thought or a, a book or a comment or a video or something in the text that's just kind of touched me a little bit and nudged me in a, in a specific direction, and that's kind of where today is. Um, so I want to go ahead and get that part out of the way. Um, part of what you hear today is based on a, a gentleman named Charles Taylor, okay? Now, Charles Taylor wrote a book about being secular or how not to be secular, so after he writes his book, another gentleman by the names of James K.A. Smith comes in and writes a book about his book. All right, so we've got one book that's about this thick. James comes in and he writes a book about that thick. Now Bert, after watching a video or two, is going to give you about that much of it because it's got to get watered down just to get to me, okay? So what I'm giving you are some thoughts uh, based on these gentlemen that, that have had some research done, and I want you to engage it a little bit, but understand that. Um, the idea is how not to be secular, all right? That's the title of his book, and we're going to talk about that for a minute because a lot of times when we think of secular, one of the first things that come up is like, oh, that's, that's the bad, you know? Uh, we think about getting or becoming secularized, Okay, now I'm not wanting to win back secularization or secular. I want us to look at secular for what it is. Okay, and so that's kind of how we're going to process this. Um, we have arrived at a place in our context, in our culture, that I think is unique. 
okay? And we'll talk about that in just a minute. But um, one of the things that I became aware of as I was teaching uh, about a decade, a decade and a half, about 15 years ago when I was teaching uh, in the inner city schools, and I don't normally share too many of those stories. A lot of those st- stories were pretty, pretty abrupt. Um, I, I ended up working with kids in gangs, and that was a common. Uh, I would have students walk in, and they're wearing the ankle bracelet, and that was pretty common. I would have kids come in and roll up their sleeves and say, hey, Mr. Paddock, look, I'm on the patch. And for those of you that have ever explored any kind of cigarette or nicotine use, for, for a 16-year-old to come in and be so addicted, he's now on the patch, that, that says something. We had students that would show up who had slept days, nights, weeks in cars, going from friend's couch to friend's couch. I had one student... Uh, who, through an assignment of mine, shared about the the graphic abuse at the hands of his alcoholic father. And I wish I could tell you that was just one. There were several. Uh, I had a couple students try to commit suicide. Some did commit suicide. Uh, One of my final years there, uh, I picked up cocaine, sitting right on the the second chair back on the right-hand side there doing cocaine in the middle of my math class because... Math just wasn't cutting it for them. Um, I walked in on students uh, being very intimate uh, multiple times. And so this is kind of where culture has developed. I, I don't know if you're aware of it, but just removing yourself from my inner city school context and culture in our day, some of the things that we're processing. Think about the most recent movie, there, there's a couple, but one that's out right now, I think it's called The Sound of Freedom, okay? This is a, I think the last count, maybe they've made 50, 60 million dollars on a blockbuster, a blockbuster that's about the sex trade in our world. A hundred and fifty billion dollar industry, second only to illegal drugs, Does that say something about our culture and our context? And this is kind of where we arrive, but how did we get here, and what does this mean? So I'm I'm going to give you a a slideshow here in a minute. Um, I'm not attempting to trigger anybody, but you'll recognize all of these slides. You've seen them on the news. You've seen them on your Facebook posts or Instagram posts, okay? But you've seen all of this, and... I'm not trying to, to push anybody or present an ideology. I just want us to be aware of and be honest with, hey, that, <laughs> that's us, okay? That's humanity right now, okay? And I think at the end, if, if we arrive, if I can stay on track, I think we'll find some hope, okay? Because humanity is navigating something very unique to this time, but we have to build up and ha- we have to get there. So let's take a look. Oh, okay. All right. Uh, So where are we? We're in the middle of what's called post-modernity. Okay? And if you haven't heard that word, you've been sleeping a little bit. You've been sleeping a little bit. All right? We're in the middle of post-modernity. Okay? And this is kind of our culture. Um, Some of us would want to say, that's not me. I don't identify with that. I'm not really swimming in that. And, well, we are. Okay? Uh, It's like the fish that's in the water. It's the water we're in. Okay? And we'll talk about what that is, but this is where we are. Um, We came from 
modernity. And we'll talk about what modernity is, but modernity is what arrived right before post-modernity, right? And you guys are smart, so what's going to come next? Modernity came from pre-modernity. All right, so you've already got three answers, okay? You guys are doing really good, but what is that? And so I think probably the best way is to give you some visual representation of what these things are, and I think you'll identify very quickly what they are. So here we go. Let's take a look. This is pre-modernity. Think Knights of the Round Table. Think King Arthur. Think Camelot. Now, that's Hollywood's idea of, but it's, it's a pretty good idea for us to go back and think, okay, I understand a little bit about what that time error was, okay? And, and maybe you'll look back and you'll think something like this, you know, big buildings or, or, or big castles, okay? And, and maybe that's part of it. Don't, don't forget there's another side to pre-modernity uh, that is, is going to be very rural, very poor, very agricultural but not refined. Uh, We might even say violent at times, okay? And so let's take a look at how this comes to be. Um, First of all, in pre-modernity, divinity was always the default. There's always God. God is what tells us to go to war. You've got, and I want to use, you know, early Christianity, so you're probably thinking the Catholic Church, okay? But at that time, the Catholic Church kind of ruled. They were the ones that said, this is where we go, this is what we do. So we had Catholicism. Now, don't think current-day Catholicism. That would be unfair, okay? But think Catholicism around 1,000 to 1,500 um, A.D., and, and kind of the church ruled the known world. And they would install kings, and they would depose of kings, and they would decide where we go to war, what we do, but that was the, the idea of pre-modern, but divinity, okay, and, and I use that word loosely, but that's what it is, divinity was the only default. We didn't have any other specific options, and I'll explain out what those options are, but that was just kind of the default, okay? If it rained, God gave us the bounty, Right? If we won the battle, God was on our side. If the the plague broke out in all of humanity, then God is punishing us. We didn't understand like electrons and protons and neutrons and germs and that kind of stuff, all right? Science hadn't made it yet. Christianity was the main path to divinity. There were other faith systems out there that pointed towards a God, okay, but Christianity kind of came out of the rubble of, of the time of Christ, and it multiplied and multiplied and advanced and advanced and advanced, and so it became the main language or the main path to divinity. All right, not sure when it really took uh, place, somewhere between 1,000 and 1,500-ish, all right? Not always very Christian-like, okay? So even though it was in Christ, okay, it didn't always behave as in Christ, but not always un-Christ-like. Okay, so you, you have a flavor of what pre-modernity is a little bit. All right, and then there's modernity, and I want you to fast forward and think modernity here. Uh, really, America was coming into its own about the time modernity was starting to peak. 
Okay? And so we're going to see things like government, not monarchy government, but government, okay, like we would view. Uh, we're going to see things like medicine and science and industry begin to come into play. We're going to see the first really global world war because of the advances of technology. Now we could fly over and bomb somebody. We didn't just go next door and, and have violence. All right? So this was an advancement in war. Also, entertainment came along. Uh, on a mass scale. All right, so when you think about modernity, here's what I want you to think of. Divinity became part of the equation, not the whole of the equation, okay? So you have divinity, and you have science, and you have reason, and you have medicine, and the hope was future or better. Now, uh, modernity didn't want to come in and replace Christianity with science. It just came in with science, Okay, and kind of added to that. But you can see that the equation is beginning to change. And suddenly Christianity has a little bit of competition. Uh, Modernity was dominant between the 1500s to the 1900s. It began to waver in the 1700s. Uh, It did not end war or poverty or hunger or hatred. So all the things that modernity promised, it didn't come through with. And so let's talk just briefly about science, a couple things that we need to address. Uh, You think about Copernicus and the church. So Copernicus started to argue that maybe the earth wasn't the center of the universe. This caused trouble with the church. Uh, Galileo also began to argue that maybe uh, the earth rotated around the sun. Maybe the sun was going to be the center of the universe. Of course, they didn't have a very large idea of what universe was, but from what we were dealing with, from what we could see. um, Both of these, okay, uh, we could go back to the text from the rising of the sun uh, to the setting of the sun, the Lord is praised, and we get that. Uh, This is Psalms 113. Um, Both of those ended up in conflict with the church. Galileo ended up being under house arrest until he died. So you can see what's happening here. Science is, is starting to develop, and the church is having a hard time with some of the ideas that science is developing. And science went quite a bit further, too. And then we hit postmodernity. This is us. This is where we are. Okay? Um, believe anything, embrace anything, and that's postmodernity. And postmodernity is very vague. Right? The reason we call it postmodernity is because we really don't know what it's developing to be yet. We just know it's not modernity anymore. So we have to use a name. We call it postmodernity. All right? But the edges aren't sharp, aren't graphic. So a couple things to note about postmodernity. Divinity is removed from the equation. Okay? Science, reason, medicine. What postmodernity does is looks back at modernity. It's removed, it's removed divinity. Okay, And it looks back at modernity, what modernity added to divinity, and it's finding out that the science and the reason and the medicine did not fix the future. The future still looks kind of, regardless of the science, regardless of the medicine, uh, regardless of reason, Christianity has become contestable. Now, by contestable, it doesn't mean like offended. It just means it's arguable. You could say, you could say I believe in Christianity. And I said, well, but can you? Now, I'm not necessarily angry at you for your Christian beliefs, but are you sure? Now, that's different than pre-modernity and modernity. Post-modernity became dominant in the 1970s. So in the 70s, 
all right, what happens is modernity is on the way down, post-modernity begins to pick up. Now, we might argue that in America. We might say, no, 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 we still got a lot of modernity within us. Well, in Europe, it's already happened, and we're following the same trajectory, okay? And so that's where we are. Um, it began in the late 1700s over in Europe, and it overtook modernity in the 1900s, so it becomes the main cultural lens with which we look through. All right, this is our context, our culture, our perceived reality. All right, so let's take a look at a couple things. Maybe. All right, uh, first of all, uh, the, the logical conclusion of postmodernity has arrived and it's brought us anger. Now, I'm not trying to trigger anybody, but think about this. This was Black Lives Matter. And even though it's something that's trying to help, okay, it became very volatile very quickly, didn't it? It's almost like the minute it was brought in, anger sparked. Now, it wasn't because this particular issue. It's just postmodernity has left us with an angriness. Okay? And we'll talk about why that is. Uh, it's brought hatred. Okay? Postmodernity ushers in a flavor of hatred. If, if, you're if you're Republican and I'm Democratic, I've got to hate you. Okay? Or, or if I'm Republican and you're... I've got to hate you. If you're male and I'm female, I've got to, all right? And so it's almost as if this has become our default, default language. It's brought confusion. I don't even know what I am today or what people say I am. It's brought blame. Who's at fault? Okay, now think about those things running around in your head. And, and some of you are probably like triggered because you've, you've invested in this argument. You've invested in what's going on. You've got a position on that. It's brought us a new set of heroes. These are called the Island Boys. All right, who knows what the Island Boys are? Raise your hand. Okay, yeah. All right. Uh, these guys are influencers. They've got like millions of followers. Okay, and this is just one couple that I picked out. All right. Now, if you were to compare that to, say, leaders of modernity, okay, or leaders of pre-modernity, you would not find these guys to qualify. But they've got millions of followers, and they're not the only ones. So this is where pre, uh, post-modernity has got us, and this is, this is finally where we're, you like, Bert, land the plane. Okay? I'm landing. So we've been framed. Okay? It's called an imminent frame. That's where this guy takes off. Um, it's, keep going. This is how it works. I want you to think about Walmart. Okay? So when you go to Walmart, well, let's, let's, it limits our hope. Okay? Being framed, being stuck, it limits our hope. Uh, it works like Walmart or Amazon. And, and let me explain what that is. When we go to Walmart, we're there to find something, right? It's on the shelf. Living inside of the imminent frame is like living inside of Walmart with a hunger that you're trying to feel. Have you ever felt that? You need something? Anybody go shop at Walmart to feel better? Raise your hands. You know you do. Right? 
You know what? I remember in my day, we went to, uh, what was it, Hastings or something? You needed to feel better. We went and bought a new CD, got some new music, made you feel better. Walmart come along and, and suddenly if, if, you know, I think I'll just go roam the halls at Walmart, do a little shop. I need a new pair of shoes. I need a tastier flavor of chocolate. My wife texts me, she's out. Hey, I'm going to Walmart. Oh, happiness. You know, how many of you get those little Amazon packages with the big smile? How many of you check your phones 10 times a day, seeing if the Amazon package is on route, ready to be delivered? Okay, but Walmart and Amazon are limited, okay? Um, But that's how it works. The world is not as hateful as we envision it. The world is stuck in Walmart looking and shopping and asking for questions that they can't find answers to. So when we live in the the imminent frame of post-modernity, remember, God is not a default anymore. So everything that we're trying to solve has to come out of our, our impermeable frame. So if I'm hungry, I can find food at Walmart but I've yet to find a shelf on Walmart that talks about loneliness. You go in and ask somebody that works there, hey, I'm feeling lonely today, what do you got? Aisle seven? Top shelf? Okay, I can find that. Bay four, it's not there. I'm hurt or broken. I've come through a rough time. A family member has just passed away. Here's one. I'm confused. Do you have a bottle of clarity somewhere? Is that in the pharmacy? Or is it over by pickles? That's imminent frame. Because our culture has created a framework and said God is out here if he even exists. And because it is is framed out, I can't reach past my frame. My mind won't let me go there because I'm post-modernity. Okay? Are you with me now? So Walmart, Amazon, the frame. We've been framed. And it's not that they're always angry, right? They don't go into Walmart and say, I want a bottle of hatred. They go into Walmart and say, I'm wounded, I need help. And they've shopped in every single aisle. Imagine how you would feel... Anybody go to Home Depot? Raise your hands. Yes, your arms are broke today. You go to Home Depot. Here's the worst case scenario. You go to the plumbing section. You know the one fitting that you can't find? And you keep looking. And you go up and down and up and down and up and down. And you find a guy. You say, do you work in plumbing? He says, no, I work in paint. Well, what are you doing in the plumbing aisle? But you keep looking, and pretty soon, if you're honest, you get a little irritated, don't you? You know the part you need, but you can't find it. You might even get angry at Home Depot. You might even go all Karen on some guy, right? Some of you are laughing because your last name's Karen, I don't know, but you're going to get angry. 
or you're going to leave Home Depot feeling sad or lonely or hopeless. But you're going to find somebody to blame because your imminent frame is boxed in and you don't have hope. And this is a great source for frustration, anger, loneliness, and hopelessness because you're locked into a frame that says there is no divinity. And so questions like hope and lonely and depression and addiction and frustration and death and sickness and all of those aren't found on the Walmart shopping list. That's post-modernity. That's where they've arrived. I think we can relate, but it's not real. It's an imposed frame. And here's what I mean. While they feel limited, okay, they feel limited by that boundary, God is not limited by that boundary. If Christianity has a hope, it's because we live in a postmodern world, but we have allowed God to remain. And if we have a hope, we come to the realization that God can intervene into the Walmart store. He can break through the frame that our culture almost denies existing. Behind my back? This whole time it's been behind my back? All right. Uh, God is not limited by that. So let's go back. I want you to look at some guys. This is not the first imminent frame we've walked into. I want you to go back and look at King Solomon. Okay, the weight of the gold that Solomon received yearly, 666 talents. He had 200 large shields of hammered gold. He also made 300 small shields of hammered gold. Uh, He was... Oops. Um, He had a great throne inlaid and overlaid with fine gold. He had goblets that were of gold. He had a fleet of trading ships. Uh, Once every three years, it returned with gold and silver and ivory. And I love this, apes and Babylons. Or, I'm sorry, uh, baboons. Apes and Babylon. Baboons. I mean, you are the wisest guy on the planet. And you're thinking every three years, I need a fresh dose of primates. Uh, greater in riches and wisdom than all the other kings of the earth. He had 1,400 chariots, 12,000 horses, and he loved many foreign women. This is the wisest guy on the planet, and look where he's trapped. In the imminent frame. He thinks with baboons and gold and chariot and women that he'll escape loneliness, he'll find value, You'll find acceptance, self-acceptance, instead of self-loathing. This is the imminent frame of the wisest man to have ever lived. And for me to step back and say, well, maybe he fell for that, but not me. We all fall into the imminent frame at some points. And we begin to look at our own resources as answers for questions that are driven by the Spirit of God. This is the Colossian church. I love this. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above. Where Christ is seated at the right hand of God, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you, sorry, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. 
Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, greed, which is idolatry. The point is the Colossian church was living within the imminent frame. They took everything Rome had, the impurities, the sexual lust, the evil desires, the greed, the idolatry. They took all of it, the anger, the rage, the malice, the slander. The fit. They had everything Rome had to offer. And it wasn't until they began to put their mind on things above where they found the true nature of their value in Christ. But they were living in the imminent frame of Rome. Rome had an amazing imminent frame. And then Christ broke in. And that shattered their frame. And it turned the world upside down. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and uh, dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion. You don't find compassion on the Walmart shelf. Kindness, you're not going to find that at Amazon Prime, even two-day delivery. Humility, nobody's shopping for that. Gentleness and patience, all of those come from outside our imminent frame. Bear with each other. Forgive what other grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. You remember those slides a few minutes ago that we showed that just kind of triggered anger and anger and hatred? This stuff comes from outside the frame. This comes from the other. This comes from the Spirit of God. This comes from the teaching of the text. This comes from a Christian community. Okay? And then put on love, which binds all of them together in perfect unity. Again, this stuff comes not on the shelves. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, again, not found at Walmart, whatever is noble, not in Amazon Prime, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, I've looked at the shelves at Home Depot. It doesn't exist. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about these things. We got some good news. We don't have to live in the imminent frame. You have a choice. You can live above it and out of it. The next time you feel lonely or lost or hopeless or angry, stop shopping at Walmart for items you need from God. The really good news, this is what's awesome. I've got to talk about this. I want to move. This is killing me, okay? Trapped. Okay, this is the awesome part. The world is shopping so hard right now. Think about all the things they're trying to purchase inside the imminent frame. They are so hungry. They are so thirsty. They are so desperate. Because they are trapped. And when you take somebody who's hungry and thirsty and desperate and hurt and trapped. That's a person we can connect with and provide something they've never seen. But they have to witness firsthand us living outside of the imminent frame. If they look at Bert and they just see another shopper, Another Walmart guy or Lowe's guy trying to complete what he is lacking through greed or money or the latest tool or you fill in the blank, an addiction, whatever that is. 
If that's all they see, they don't have a reason to look beyond the eminent frame. But if they see me resourcing something unseen, how can this guy be happy? How can this guy be content? How can this guy bring joy to the table when I can't even find it at Amazon Prime? Because we choose to live outside of the imminent frame. The love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, good, all of that stuff, they're gifts of the Spirit. Not gifts you find at Walmart. And we have to get to that point because we have a very hungry and thirsty world that's dying to find answers. And they're looking everywhere. They're looking at their sexual identity. Maybe if I can just identify differently, I'll find meaning. They're looking for money and consumerism and materialism. Maybe if I just get enough of, I can find meaning. I can find forgiveness. They're going through relationships faster than you can imagine. They're looking at Facebook for friend posts or Instagram for hits. Or they're putting on videos or Twitter. You just name it. We're inventing things as quickly as we can to try to engage with the community. And all they need to find is, hey, there's someone else that's shopping, and they're not shopping where I'm shopping. What store do you go to? That's the good news. So there's a piece of artwork from the, uh, I want to say, 15, 1600s. I don't know who did this, but beautiful tapestry. And I wanted to show it to you, but it's typical 15, 1600s kind of artwork. You know, clothes were optional. All right, so we didn't bring that one out. Uh, But a guy was working at the museum, and he wanted the artwork to fit on the wall, so he ripped off the top three feet of the tapestry. And so when you look at the art now, it just has a bunch of people looking up. And you're like, what are they looking at? There's nothing there. All right, this is us. We are looking beyond the imminent frame. I see something different There's this shelf, and then there's the top shelf at Walmart, but we're looking up there. It's a little farther up, but people are going to come walking by. What is he? Have you ever played that game, stand out in a parking lot, look up until you see other people come in and start to look up, and then you're like, ah, gotcha. Okay, that's not what we're doing, all right? We're actually looking at something and looking for something and receiving something from the Spirit of God as he transcends this imminent frame that's kept the the postmodern mind trapped. Because somewhere along the way in humanity, in the condition of humanity, we marginalized God and then we limited him and said, you know what, we're not even sure he really exists. And that's, that's the lens that they're looking through. And so we get to come in and say, hey, look at what's above. And so I want to leave this with you and I, I want to leave this as, as an image for you to consider as you go. But um, it's, it's difficult to live outside of the imminent frame. It's a daily venture. But do me one favor. The next time you get a little uh, off center, you know where center is for you, right? Some of you are grunchy, grumpy. That's just center for you. Okay, that's not off center. But the next time you're just a little off center, take a note of what you're doing to fill that off center. Is it chocolate? Is it Walmart? I mean, I use a phone call to my family sometimes. I'm lonely. They're a thousand miles away. 
brings comfort. But what I'm looking for, I'm looking for the presence of God in my life. I'm looking for something that engages me, and, and unfortunately, I'm shopping in my imminent frame again. So I have to continue to go back and remind myself, get out of the imminent frame. Seek the things that come from only above. And then I want you to understand a little bit about our postmodern cultures. Sometimes we don't need to be as hard as we are on them. Pre-modernity gave modernity its gifts. Modernity gave post-modernity, I'm sorry, yeah, post-modernity, its gifts, they've been handed a lot of stuff that they didn't generate. They They didn't create this world. They were just born into it. And they're seeking very hard to find an answer and a solution. And maybe we can be a part of that. I want to encourage you as we close this morning, if you're shopping at Walmart, quit shopping. If you need somebody to help you with that, please see our elders back there or come forward if you need to as well. But find help to stop shopping inside that imminent frame and start shopping outside of it, seeking the wisdom and advice we need to find from our Father, our Creator, and the Spirit of God. Please stand as we sing.